Welcome to the Black Moon Lilith Rising podcast. The energy of the dark feminine is rising. Are you ready to reclaim your power? Understand the power of the dark mother of creation in astrology, Lilith. It's time for the world to recognize the power of dark feminine energy and how you can use it to heal, transform, and create the magic in your own life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Black Moon Lilith Rising podcast. I'm your host, Adama, and I'm so thrilled to have Stephanie Campos, author, psychic, witch, and just an extraordinary human being on the podcast today. And she's back again. We had Stephanie on. You may recognize her from earlier episodes. And I'm so excited for you to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be back. So Stephanie Campos is an astrologer, psychic medium, author, and witch. As I said, she studied the mystical arts for over a decade, including the stars, mediumship, palm reading, tarot, corandorismo, and more. She is passionate about being of service, helping others heal, and using astrology as a tool for transformation. Her work has also appeared in Cosmopolitan, Refinery29, Well and Good, and Bustle, among other publications. She has appeared on the Today Show as an astrology expert and modern mystic and has a monthly horoscope segment on NBC's California Live. So impressive, Seth. Oh, thank you so much. So your new book that just came out, it was the day after my birthday, November 14th Mm -hmm. this year, Mm -hmm. 2023, Seasons of the Zodiac, Love, Magic, and Manifestation throughout the astrological year. And This was my pool reading for the past few weeks, and I found it so inspiring and really helpful in terms of using the Zodiac seasons magically um, to manifest and to really empower yourself. And so we're going to infuse a little bit of that into today's podcast episode. So excited. There's so much going on in 2024. Yes. So for all of you listening, I'm sure you know, we are going to talk about top level the important astrological events and planetary transits of 2024. Talk a little bit about history, talk a little bit about the cycles, and just give you guys a little bit of a preparedness guide to get you ready for what seems to be like a very eventful year, to say the least. Absolutely. So let's actually hop into, let's just get right into it. Because this first event that is happening next year, we've got Pluto and Aquarius moving on January 20th. And we are going to have a little bit of Pluto's move back into Pluto and Capricorn, but this is really a 20-year transit that we're entering into. This is a huge one. First time in our lifetimes. No one on earth has experienced this. That's that's wild. <laughs> it's really wild to think about. So I'm actually going to, for anyone that is watching the video episode, and if you are watching video episodes, you can find that or need to watch them. You can find them on Spotify and YouTube, but I'm actually going to share the charts so you all can have more of a live view. So the first thing that really pops off the page to me 
with this particular month is the sun is right on top of Pluto. <laughs> yes. That, that is what pops out to me as well. I think anytime one of the personal planets that's closer to earth connects with an outer planet, it brings the energy down to us in a more intense and profound way. So it's really telling that the second Pluto goes into Aquarius, the sun is tracing over the steps and really amplifying and illuminating what themes may be coming up for us over this 20-year transit. Yes, it, it's going to be quite the Aquarius season, honestly, yes. <laughs> as we start off the year. And we're also coming out of the Mercury retrograde that just started in the sign of Capricorn. And right now, Mercury, we're filming this on December 15th, 2023. Mercury is also with, and we're in the same sign as Pluto. Mm-hmm. So do you want to give a little bit of context in terms of Aquarius as a zodiac sign, the Saturn ruled signs, Capricorn's also a Saturn ruled sign. Mm-hmm. What, what do you expect like globally or not even just globally, but overall in general, what can people expect in January as we start off the year? Well, I think with this transit overall, it's really important, like you mentioned, to highlight the history and like what happened last time Pluto was in Aquarius. So the last time Pluto had a full tour through the sign of Aquarius was 1778. And for that trip through the sign of Aquarius, we had the Haitian and French revolutions, the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, the discovery of the planet Uranus the first successful vaccine, and the American Revolution. And then when you break down the archetypes of Aquarius and Pluto, Aquarius is a zodiac sign that is concerned with humanity, community, technology, innovation, but also what lies on the margins of both society and the universe. So that's kind of where you get space exploration as well, and where you also get the revolutions of people saying, hey, this isn't working. This is unjust. We've been forgotten about by society. And Pluto is a planet of crisis, catharsis, transformation, and ultimately rebirth and power. So you can kind of already see just based on those two archetypes, how they fold into all of the past events that kind of came up the last time Pluto was in Aquarius. So I don't think on January 20th, we're going to find a new planet and we're going to get some kind of new crazy cure for cancer or, you know, I don't think it's going to be like on the 20th, but I think this is a, the beginning of a 20 year cycle that is going to bring rapid medical and technological advancements, discoveries, and the breakdown of systems and structures of power that are ultimately oppressive and unjust for the people. So we definitely will have to keep an eye on it because it's going to be so noticeable. You know, the, the last time that Pluto, we had a preview of this earlier in 2023 from March through June. And we saw like instant uptick in conversations around AI with like chat GPT. So I think we'll also see themes related to data privacy, big tech, the underbelly of big tech, 
uh, come through as well. A hundred thousand percent. I couldn't agree more. And another big historical event around the same time that you described was also the industrial revolution was really revving up in the UK. And we all know that the UK has been, and still we're, we're all, all of us colonial <laughs> subjects yeah. have been reeling from the effects of that, but they were a huge uh, colonial power and decimating the world and really committing a lot of the atrocities that we are still trying to come back from in modern society. So that time, I think that last time Pluto was in Aquarius set the stage for now, I think this new cycle as well, because the industrial revolution really what that's what set the stage for the type of work culture that we have Mm -hmm. in colonial countries. Like, I mean, we can speak to this personally as Americans that grew up here and born here, but it's really like, yeah, it's about the grind. I mean, discounting Europe, I know everyone jokes about how like Europeans get like six months off, but you know, we do there was what's time off when, when it comes yes. to being an American free healthcare. What's that? Uh, programs, policies that need to be put in place to help people. I mean, quite literally in New York city uh, where I lived for a very long time, they had an apartment building collapse in the Bronx or a portion mm-hmm. of it collapsed. And meanwhile, most of the money is getting shoveled into God knows what. I mean, the mayor is being looked into. The FBI is looking into him. So it's like all of these power structures, especially patriarchal power structures, are now being looked into. P. Diddy is another one that's Mm. New York mainstay um, Mm. that's being looked into. And I'm mentioning New York because that's a big power in, in this country and in the world and a big source of industry. And a lot of these patriarchal structures that are there are now going to be questioned, but that's going to ramp up. Absolutely. And I think it would be so remiss to to not name that we are in the United States' Pluto return right now. And we will have the final pass later this fall when Pluto trickles back words into Capricorn for the final time in our lifetimes. Pluto's been here since 2008. Every country event business also has a birth chart for any astro newbies out there that are wondering. And when the United States was um, colonized, founded, it had Pluto in the sign of Capricorn at 28 degrees. So I think Capricorn is a zodiac sign. Its archetype is associated with history, structures, systems, uh, legacy. And Pluto reveals the taboo, the unspoken. And so right now we're really confronting those shadows and those themes. And once Pluto shifts into Aquarius, it's kind of like the next chapter, okay? We're all privy to this information, or more of us are waking up to it. And being willing to to talk about it and discuss it and want change, what does that look like? I think a lot of people also, they're not as afraid because I think another big part of Capricorn and this, this Pluto and Capricorn period is Capricorn rules over patriarchal authority, dominance, control. When we think of Saturn rules actually both 
Capricorn, ancient ruler of Aquarius, Saturn was Kronos who ate his children because he was too afraid of them gaining power. And instead of working with them and championing them and, and being like, okay, this is my, this is my legacy. Let's all be fruitful. Let's all use our own strengths to raise our, ourselves up. I'm going to kill you and I'm going to dominate you and I'm going to suck all the power from you. And, oh, you're better than me. Well, <laughs> I'm going to use all the resources that I have to squash you. And that has been going on for hundreds of years. We can also take slavery was a big part of this Pluto and Aquarius story back then. It had been going on for hundreds of years in the 1700s already, but that was the, it ramped up a bit to mm -hmm. fuel the industries that we know today and to start this country before the civil war began mm -hmm. and they were quote unquote freed. Uh, mm -hmm. But now again, it's like when we fast forward to today, it's like, okay, yeah, we're not, there's no, there is actually modern day slavery going on in mm -hmm. across the world. But when we just take a look at, there's no similar in chains being ripped from Africa type of situation going on. Now it's all of us are being oppressed in various different ways, different levels of oppression. And now it's like the, the people against these structures versus straight up enslaved Africans against white old man slave owners. So it's like, it's, it's kind of like similar roles, but it's more of an updated, modernized global version of it. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to see some mm -hmm. profound shifts. Yes. And this is until around 2044, 2043 ish, because mm -hmm. Pluto, Pluto retrogrades, it goes back and then moves forward and it goes back before it actually moves full time into the sign. So it's a long time, guys. Do you want to just comment on which zodiac sign placements? So mm -hmm. sun, moon, rising. Mm -hmm this will affect the most? Yes. If you have your sun, moon, or rising in Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, or Aquarius, especially between zero and four degrees, any placements, even if it's your rising sign or your mid heaven, this is going to impact you the most intensely. Pluto only moves a couple degrees a year. So that's why it's a 20 year long transit. And it will have the effect in the most major areas of your life. So personal relationships, your relationship with yourself, your authenticity, your own power, your career, the legacy you want to leave behind, your home, your living situation, uh, generational patterns, clearing out karma and doing profound shadow work and healing work. So it can be a really intense time for you to grapple with your relationship with power, control, jealousy, obsessions, and fixations. But ultimately, Pluto, all Pluto wants you to do is to surrender, to realize that control is an illusion. It is a waste of time. And once you kind of surrender to the undertow of Pluto. It's like when you get pulled into the ocean by a riptide. If you fight it, you usually 
have some trouble or maybe you drown. But if you ease into it and surrender, that's actually how you get out of a riptide. It's similar with Pluto. And Pluto also means riches. So when Mm -hmm. you learn to work with Pluto, you can actually become, it's, it's alchemy, you know, it's, you can be incredibly empowered, influential, magnetic, and kind of like a phoenix, just continue to evolve into new versions of yourself. I know, I know that to be true. (laughs) (laughs) That said, actually, a question popped into my head. What about advice for millennials? Because we all have Pluto in Scorpio and Mm. it's going to be square, Especially for the early degree, those who are like, what is it, like early 80s? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Help us. <laughs> Ooh, a Pluto square. I've never lived through a Pluto square. So I don't know. Mine's coming up. Um, Gen X, you all are out. You know, <laughs> what is a Gen X? And uh, is there one in between? It's like Pluto and Libra is, is the yeah. Gen X folks. So y'all been going through your Pluto square with Pluto and Capricorn. So you can guys can let us know in the comments. <laughs> I imagine that it's going to be a time of confronting everything you've been in- avoiding, your fears, taboo topics. Um, but that's not for the faint of heart <laughs> and easier said than done. It is. And I, I think also our generation, millennials in general, with that placement, we're really here to break the generational curses and patterns in our family. And I think that that's if if there's some unfinished business in mm-hmm. look at where you have Pluto and Scorpio. I think we're both fourth houses, right? Yes. Yeah, lots of fun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, take a look at that, <laughs> whatever house it's in, and that will kind of tell you where some of those shadows are going to pop out. Absolutely. (laughs) It's in your first house. Yeah. And pay attention to where Aquarius is in your chart. So Aquarius and Scorpio, and then tie those themes together because that's going to be a big part of your Pluto story. (laughs) (laughs) Not to be all uh, dramatic. I am a Leo moon, but everyone, this is a very major transit. So (laughs) yeah. And it's how we start the year off. Cute. Yeah, really cute. And this is why it's astrologers. I feel like I say this ad nauseum. I'm sure you've said it. Along with seasons of the Zodiac, I'm sure this isn't the real new year. So this is a Gregorian calendar created by men. And basically, the real new year is every season. We're we're in the middle of a Mercury retrograde. I I think Mercury is going to be direct, but it's going to be in shadow. This isn't until this day. Until, yeah. yeah. So this isn't the time to go guns blazing, starting something new, setting intentions, going off on, you know, it, this is the real time to look inward. I think this is going to be a big shadow work month. Yes. Yes. And don't, that. yeah, exactly. Don't hold it against yourself if you're not able to stick with your resolutions or this, this is, like you said, going to be a very reflective, internal probably triggering, but cathartic month. Yeah, absolutely. So with that said, not like it's getting any, it's getting any uh, easier here, but I'm going to talk about the Libra eclipse. I'm going to pull that up on the charts for everyone that's watching in it's a lunar penumbral eclipse in Libra 
on March 25th and we've got the moon. I mean, that's, that is quite literally the definition of an eclipse is um, less than 10 degrees from the nodes of the moon. We've got the moon in Libra with the South node. And that that's really what jumps out to me the most with this lunar eclipse. But what what's your commentary on, on this upcoming event? So lunar eclipses are times of transition, release, surrender, and endings. It's a south node eclipse, which is also going to amplify those themes of letting go and loss and release. Libra is a sign that's associated with our partnerships, our agreements, justice, what's fair. I will. What I will say about this eclipse that I like is that the ruler of the eclipse is Venus and Pisces. And Pisces, is, when Venus is in Pisces, it's in a very strong position. So I like that the planet that the moon is answering to is making some sweet connections with Jupiter, with Uranus, some supportive connections. That feels like support, innovation, uh, maybe so. Maybe there's some sort of loss or shift or change within a contract, an agreement, uh, or even a relationship that you've outgrown. But there is this encouraging feeling at the same time that you're ready to move differently in a new direction. Yeah, yeah, I, I would. I I concur with that and. The one thing that I that does pop also out to me with the moon south node is and then Venus being in Pisces is we do have hugging close by mm-hmm. Saturn and Neptune. So yeah. this does give it's like it's creative and it's about breaking the boundaries of reality, but I also do see that yeah, it can be there's some loss involved in it. So it's mm-hmm. like ob- obtaining or moving past some boundary, especially creatively or collaboratively, relationship-wise, but it's not going to feel nice, you know? Yeah. We loss as well. And usually when you want to co-create something or call something into your life, you have to release. Purging, letting go, clearing out space is the first step to create new space for ideas and inspiration and aligned connections to find you. So it's, it is going to be kind of like that double-edged sword. Yeah. And it's also, so we have on the opposite end as well, we've got the sun in Aries, it's a lunar eclipse and we've got North node Chiron and Mercury. And to me, that also is like on the other side of letting go of that codependency or that old bond or that old collaboration is also stepping into your truth and into yourself and the discomfort that can go along with that. And also kind of taking the reins on the pain that you may have allowed to stop you before, Mm. especially if you are, I think it's like you'd be in your late forties to mid fifties right now. If you're going through Chiron return, Mm. Chiron was in Aries 
just looking at that transit as well. So it's like, you're going to really be dealing with childhood wounds as well and not like whether it be bullying or people not accepting you for who you were. I think that's really all going to come to the surface and you're kind of really going to aggressively step into yourself that that kind of screams to me as well. I love that. Absolutely. And the thing with lunar eclipses too, they illuminate, they shine a light, they reveal. So, I mean, this is, this is the general horoscope guys, but maybe it's like you find out a partner isn't as honest as you thought they were going to be, or, and that could be business. Business is, it's just like love relationships where you trust someone and it, yeah, some things get shown that you, you didn't think we're going to yeah. be. And I think also confronting, and this goes with what you were saying about that Chiron Mercury, I think confronting any people pleasing habits you have and codependency in relationships and learning, you know, the opposite side of this lunar eclipse is the sun in Aries. So learning to advocate for your needs, your desires, and to put yourself first, even if that's uncomfortable and it makes other people uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think on a global level as well, I mean, with North Node and Aries before this started this year, it's just more exacerbation of war and mm-hmm. conflict. Mars is the ruler of Aries. Mars is the god of war and can bring that. And that's our direction. And I can see that as well, too. I mean, yeah, that's popped off since since this node cycle started in July of 2023. So I definitely think this eclipse is going to really exacerbate it even more globally. I think that's an important call out because the last eclipse we had in Libra was a solar eclipse in Libra, a south node solar eclipse. And that took place at the beginning of the what's unfolding in the genocide in Gaza and Palestine. Yeah. The Aries Libra eclipse cycle, since it started in July, it's about 18 months. So this is like an ongoing story. And this particular eclipse, it's it's seasons. So it's about five to six months or so that this eclipse is going to take to really play out. And it's really going to hit cardinal signs Yeah, the most. So obviously Aries and Libra, if you have placements sun, moon rising, you got Jupiter, Mars, Venus, take a look at that Aries and then Capricorn and cancer mm-hmm. as well. So something to note. And also y'all can take a look at where you have what house mm. is happening for you as well too. Absolutely. Um, but it's just really, it's interesting, this pile on of Pisces energy. Like, what do you think of just, we've been dealing with a lot of like water related Mm. weather things on the East coast, whether it be New York city or in Florida, West coast, I know you guys, there's similar stuff, actually it's everywhere. So do you feel like this could also exacerbate that it's in the spring when usually that, that stuff happens? Yeah. There's been horrific flooding all throughout the world and, you know, that's exacerbated by 
human-made climate change. And I think having both of the malefics, the challenging planets, Mars and Saturn, and the sign of Pisces, it can look like spoiled water, unhealthy water. It can look like flooding. I think this summer when we had, I think there was a full moon in Pisces that was conjunct Saturn in Pisces. And I think that was around the time that in Japan, they released a bunch of nuclear waste into the ocean. Mm -hmm. So, you know, harmful events taking place to marine life, um, ice sheets melting. Yep. Yeah. And this, this connection we've sextile with Jupiter and Uranus, I think out of that, the bright side, okay, I don't know what bright side, but the bright side of it is I think because of these situations happening, there can be some innovation mm-hmm. and some legislation passed to help as well. So not Absolutely. the best, but there's, there's support there. Yeah. So we do have some support there. And yeah. So anything else on, on that lunar eclipse? Just that it's a couple days after the astrological new year. And I think a lot of people, well, I think a lot of people, a lot of astrologers look to the astrological new year chart to kind of predict, you know, what type of events can we expect for the coming year? And I think it's really telling that kind of baked into this chart is a moon, a waxing moon that's getting ready to peak into an eclipse. So it'll probably, no surprise, we already said it at the top of the hour, but it will be a big year. It will be a dramatic year full of change. Um, But yeah, I think it's kind of interesting that a lot of what we're seeing in this chart is baked into the solstice chart as well. Absolutely. So in terms of just tips for the astrological new year as well, actually, let's, let's uh, get back to <laughs> the Zodiac. What could you tell us just how can we, even though this is like a little bit of a rocky start, how can we harness the power of the astrological new year? Mm. Well, Aries energy is all about I think letting your inner child kind of guide the way. Aries is the first zodiac sign and there is like this childlike wonder and curiosity about it. And that's one of the gifts of Aries is they're not afraid to try something and fail and get up again and initiate. And yeah, I think this can be a really great time to just fake it till you make it, pretend, you know, play, invite more fun into your life and not adopt a beginner's mindset. Like don't be afraid of failure because that's really what holds a lot of us back as adults is just the fear of failing in front of people. When in reality, Aries knows that the people that the majority of people aren't even willing to try because they're so fear, fearful of failure. So why do you really care what they think? You might as well just go out there and try it. That's very Chiron, Aries, Eclipse-esque advice. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. 100%. So with that said, let's get back to the charts. And we've got the solar eclipse, total mm-hmm. eclipse. Mm-hmm. My 
in the sign of Aries. So Aries, what's up? <laughs> yeah, this one is way is pretty intense. It's exactly conjunct Chiron. It's at 19 degrees. And the ruler of this lunation is Saturn conjunct Mars and Pisces. So I don't like this eclipse. No. Um, this eclipse frightens me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, just on collectively, I think we'll be seeing some pretty intense news around this time. And personally, well, my midheaven is at 19 degrees. So I'm a little more personally nervous about this eclipse. But I think for people who have planets or placements, you know, around 19 degrees of the cardinal signs, this is going to be a moment of frustration, setbacks, feeling like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. But it it is temporary. And I think that's kind of the best way to work with this energy. This isn't a time to push forward, which is so ironic because Aries new moons, it's like, go, 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 initiate, just try, try, try. But with that Saturn Mars, I think this is a really important time to listen to your body. Yeah. The Venus, Venus is in detriment here Mm -hmm. in Aries. That's also a little bit worrying to me. And it's in the middle of Mercury retrograde Mm -hmm. in Aries as well. And we've got Black Moon Lilith in Virgo in opposition to Mars and Saturn in Pisces. I mean, like we mentioned war, exacerbation of war. I think this is part of that story as well. A hundred thousand percent. I think this is also sudden change. I know eclipses can take some time to play out, but I think this one is like a Tinder box. Like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised day of, if you all are experiencing what the core of the eclipse is for you, what house, what planet, what angle. Yeah. For me as well. I have, this is like mid heaven, some other stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I think on a bright side, you know, this is a North node eclipse. So that is a point of influx and with Chiron there, this could be possibly a new cycle in your healing journey, which means maybe it is triggering and cathartic, but you're also releasing and maybe it's almost like a new beginning. So maybe you've kind of cleared out and released certain patterns and this is marking a new cycle. Mm. Yeah, this is marking a new cycle, a new beginning, as you said with Aries. One thing that just popped into my head, if we think about tarot, of course we have the emperor, you know, it's Aries, but the fool card kind of just came to mind and the new green beginning energy of that, but he also is about to jump off of a cliff. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So there's that. Let me see if I can, might take me a minute to find it, but um, yeah. I love that image. That is so. Here, here we go. I'll, I'll uh, make the screen bigger for all of you here. 
Oh, you see the full card. You can see him like, you know, popping. <laughs> yeah, he's got the sun behind him. He's feeling great, yeah. you know, but he's literally about to fall off a cliff. Was a cliff. And, you know, that was just a little download, but this, I feel like this, it's like mixed with tower. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this, this eclipse. So, I think another, let me just be positive for a moment as well, too, that it also depends on if it's squaring certain things in your chart, if it's activating a benefic like Jupiter or Venus, you may have a, a different experience with this as well. It's like, let's just think back to 2020. Not everyone, like, of course, we all collectively were going through the trauma of COVID, but in our own particular lives, some people were growing their business. Mm -hmm. Some people were... You know, moving to places that more more aligned with them, they got to work from home. Like, not everyone has the same experience with challenging collective events like this. So, take a look at your own chart. If it's squaring certain things, that's something to pay attention to. If it's activating like a malefic, like Saturn, Mars, pay attention to that as well too. But this can also be a moment of right, like the fool, like. You're entering into a new beginning with your work, a new beginning with a relationship, a new beginning with your life as well, too. Because even though Venus is not feeling comfortable, Venus is still a part of this story as well, too. So maybe there's some discomfort in this new beginning, but it's for the best. Absolutely. And I, I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think stepping deeper into your authenticity, right? Because that's also something that I associate with Aries. And that can be healing. Chiron is there and Venus going after your desires that are authentic to you. Mm -hmm. And kind of releasing the old traumas, the gunk. It's like quite a bit of, of Aries will have some Pisces in their chart. Not, a, not every Aries, but it's around, it's the, especially early degree Aries. You may have Mercury, you may have Mars, Saturn, depending on when you're born. But there can be a tinge of holding your Aries back because yeah. of the empathy for others, which is really just masked as self-sacrifice and, and mm -hmm. addiction or codependency. So it's like some of you may be also releasing the bad habits that have stopped you from truly self-expressing, regardless of your zodiac sign. Absolutely. So the next event oh, we got... This, so I put a few aspects that I thought were hot. <laughs> this isn't a planetary event, but this is more aspect wise. But Jupiter is forming a conjunction with Uranus on April 20th. And I just thought this was really important to note. This is totally a BFD. Yeah. And... This happens once every other decade, about every 14 years, Jupiter and Uranus meet up. But what makes this such a big deal is that they haven't met in the sign of Taurus since May of 1941. So this is another oh, one where shit. it's really, huh? <laughs> I said, oh, shit. We all know what happened back then. Okay. Like, yeah. So it's know. interesting to, yeah. <laughs> to look back at history and see kind of what were some themes that oh, were going on. World War II, everyone. Yes, spoiler alert, um, World War II. And there was also 
Germany launched their first airborne invasion, which was like one of the first airborne invasions in military history. So that's like some sort of innovation in terms of war, right? Like we could see that coming up. There was also plutonium was first, first synthesized and it was kept secret until after the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm. And that was involved in the atomic bombs. So, uh, but on the bright side, there was also the first successful treatment using penicillin. So we had Mm. some medical innovations and this back then as well too, I think. Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And we also had, well, this is not bright side. This is, this is terrible, but the Holocaust slash genocide Yep, that went on back then as well too by the the Nazis. So we had that. That was not Ab- absolutely, yeah. yeah. So this usually Jupiter and Uranus correlate with unexpected, rapid transformation. Sometimes discoveries and ad- advancements, but whether they will be wielded by what type of power is what kind of dictates whether that is going to be used for good or bad. Yeah. And this is Taurus season as well. And when we think about Taurus, of course, there's all like beauty and love and, you know, all that sensual stuff. But Taurus is also like values. And when we have these heavy hitters in Taurus, it's like people can become very rabid about their values. And we can just think about, the Nazis, for instance, I mean, that is a very shadow, low expression of the sign of Taurus. And if I'm not mistaken, Hitler was a Taurus son. Yeah. That also is going to be exacerbated. We not only have the genocide going on in Gaza present day, but in Congo, there's a, there's genocides going on all over the world, Sudan, yeah, all over the world, Sudan. And I think that unfortunately, Jupiter not only brings luck and abundance, you know, mm-hmm. but Jupiter also can exacerbate challenging things. 100%. And, and expand them. So we've got that going on as well, too. So I think we're going to see people really rapidly on all sides championing their values and what they believe to be true. And kind of bulldozing over other people to get it. Absolutely. Which is it's scary to think about. It will be a big day. I think yeah. especially once the moon enters Taurus and traces over those steps, which will probably be like a week and a half later. And then when the moon opposes that aspect, when it's in Scorpio, which will be maybe like three or four days after this we'll really start to see some big themes come through. And I'm also kind of worried about the environment or what does this mean for nature? Taurus is associated with the natural world and the environment. And so on one hand, maybe we see some major climate crisis, devastating events, or maybe we see a landmark, let's be positive. Maybe we see a landmark ruling for climate change and making a major, you know, a commitment towards saving earth. Cause earth is very unhappy right now. 
Yes. Yeah. Taurus also rules over the natural world and quite literally earth. And yeah, it's our sign, of course. But that I think also kind of going back to the eclipse, it's like there's going to be just things that are going to really trigger that need for the innovation. Like, I mean, the demise of humanity, I think, <laughs> is is going to trigger the need for things to suddenly change or for innovation to happen. And I think also in terms of the global economy, to the American economy as well, I mean, I think things have been rocky and it's like every five minutes we're on the brink of a shutdown. Now there's like, you know, that movie Leave the World Behind came out and there's like rumblings of like, oh, we're going to have a cyber attack and things like that. Like Uranus rules over that side of life. Like technology. Technology. I mean, is do you think that... I don't know if it's like full on cyber attack, but our systems and our technology, we might deal with just some compromise um, happening in that area. Yeah, I think definitely given the fact that at the time of this conjunction, Saturn, Mars and Neptune are all co-present and essentially conjunct one another, which means very, very close to each other in the sky, Mm. that that looks like deception. That looks like um, that's a difficult pileup of planets together. So it shouldn't go unnoticed that it's happening at the same time of this conjunction. And we had a lot of rapid developments take place technologically back in May of 1941. We had the launch of Z3, which was the world's first programmable, fully automatic digital computer, which blew my mind when I read that. I was like, in 1941, there was a a computer? What? That's wild. I didn't know that. Yeah. So if you think about that, who knows what kind of, what's already being actively developed, right? And will probably be released around this time. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Just more development. I think there will be more innovation with AI, like you're saying, we had uh, chat GPT amongst just a plethora, everything's going AI and there's like mid journey is another one. And that's also um, interesting in terms of creative fields because Taurus rules over that as well. It's like, there's just rumblings of conversations of like, this is going to replace artists and writers. And we had the writer strike this past mm-hmm. year and the Hollywood strike. That's just something to think about, you know, I don't, I don't know if I really have any opinions <laughs> on it quite yet because we're so early in the AI game. But I think that like with say the calculator or the internet or iPhones, like with every innovation, it just ups the ante in a positive way. Like even us being able to use this chart, like yeah. back back then they did it by hand. <laughs> it's like, totally. I can't even imagine like I can do it, but I can't even imagine doing this for every chart that I need to do. All it's doing is it's speeding up our analysis and allowing us to kind of really get out what we want to the collective much faster. So I think it may help humanity to have these things, but there needs to be regulation, of course. 
Of course. And Uranus is a planet of unpredictability. So it's there's going to be amazing advancements and there's going to be things that are probably horrific and destructive. And that's the duality of life. And again, like it's all dependent on who is wielding the power and what are their motivations and intentions. Yeah. So it's a pretty heavy conjunction here. And usually conjunctions, they're like, you know, they happen, but it depends on the planets. You know, so this is why I brought this one particular one up. Like, for instance, we had uh, it was January 2020. We had the great that big conjunction <laughs> in Capricorn. It's like now this is another one that we all should to pay close attention to. Yeah. So not too soon after this, we've got Jupiter moving out of Taurus and into the sign of Gemini. And mm-hmm. Jupiter is actually not so comfy. Jupiter is in detriment in the sign of Gemini. And the last time we had Jupiter in Gemini was 2012. This is a 12 year transit. So everyone think back to that time. Of course, we're in a different time frame, different aspects, all of that. But you can kind of see some of the similar themes mm-hmm. that you experienced back then. Yeah. And I think Jupiter will be answering to Mercury throughout its time in Gemini. So Mercury retrogrades are going to be more impactful. We'll probably see some of the more intense manifestations of Jupiter and Gemini during Mercury retrograde periods when it's going a little haywire. But I also think, so it was June 2012 through June 2013, and that was the time that, like, I was going, I just had started my Instagram. I was, like, making the transition from Facebook and uploading a giant album with, like, 100 photos of me sitting in my living room every night, right? Like, what we used to do. And so I, I would be curious what's happening with Instagram around this time because I feel like this is when people were really hopping on. Yeah. Looking at the platform that it is today. Interesting. Yeah. I remember 2012 was like, yeah, that was back when it was different filters. (laughs) Valencia. That was my favorite. (laughs) I think, I think Valencia was mine as well too. (laughs) I liked that one. Um, But it's really interesting though, because there's just so much going on with those networks now, Mm -hmm. you know, like, we have threads now that just came out X, that whole debacle mm-hmm. with, with what was formerly known as Twitter. Facebook is just not existent in my opinion. I mean, no hate, no shade, but like, I don't, I literally don't go on it. Yeah. Me. Could there be, I also have seen rumblings actually of people kind of going back to like blogging and mm-hmm. kind of taking back the power instead of relying on these social media networks in terms of owning their own audience and traffic and owning their voice and what they want to say, because things are also still very much, you know, you'll get taken down for saying certain things. I'm, yeah, I'm not get censored. Yeah, that's it. That's the word. <laughs> and the algorithm. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, censorship. That's another one as well, too. So I think as a rebuttal, against that, a lot of people may be going off platform or focusing their attention on building their own 
their own little ecosystem outside of these networks. Because at the end of the day, you know, we do rely on them. If you use Instagram or use TikTok as your main community, you're relying on if they go, if it goes away tomorrow, you're yeah. everything you built goes away. It's, it's like that structure, I think. And this also goes along with Pluto and Aquarius because Jupiter is going to uh, be trying mm-hmm. Pluto and Aquarius. I think even though it's not great for those platforms, it's great for the collective to move away from these restrictive platforms. Yeah. And this was the last time we saw a major transition from Facebook to Instagram. So who's to say, you know, what's next? There's probably going to be some new form of connectivity. You know, Gemini is the planet of disseminating information, sharing information, learning, absorbing dialogue. So yeah, I would not be surprised if there's an emergence of a new type of social media that's like a worthy competitor to what we are interfacing with now. Yeah. And maybe one that's more independent or mm-hmm. yeah, like you can, you not post what you want, but like, yeah, like it's just, it's like you're independent within that ecosystem. Yeah. And it, really interesting what happened. Speaking of chat GPT, it was chat GPT. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if you've heard about this, but the founder was ousted by the board mm-hmm. that was brought in. And basically yep. everyone was like, no, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. And they all quit and we're like, we're going to Microsoft. And then they changed their tune. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that in media and a lot of these bigger companies that basically have been just, they've just gotten so big and so powerful, but people will begin taking their power back in, in that world as well too. Yeah. Yeah. Big and changes. I think also like a change in how we see influencers, which we can also kind of start to see with people just a lot of people don't care as much about these bigger influencers. Like, I don't know, like Kim Kardashian, I think around mm-hmm. 2012 is not when she, I don't, I don't know. She got bigger around then. Mm-hmm. I, I should have looked this up before. Maybe we're going to see more authenticity or people that are offering knowledge or value or things that are actually going to help elevate humanity. I'm not saying I'm trying to downgrade what she does, but I'm just saying that a lot of that is going to change that, that methodology of just like, let me flaunt my wealth, spend, spend, spend brand deals, brand deals for just being, it's more going to be about how are you changing the world? How are you helping others? And I think that's along the lines with the Pluto and Aquarius transit as well, too. Yeah. I think that will be really interesting to watch. And another thing with Jupiter and Gemini, I also wanted to talk about Barack Obama had his second term in 2012. We are coming up on an election year next year in America. I don't have any commentary for anyone on who's going to win. I haven't even looked. Mm -hmm. It's more far more complicated of an analysis than you all may think. So um, I don't want to really have us comment on that. But I just want to bring up that now we're entering into a new election year. That is going to be like a big, yeah, a, a just a big topic. And I really think that uh, the, the conflict in Israel and Palestine is also going to be, if not getting larger and involving more parties and more countries, it's not going to get much better. 
And I hate to say that. And I also want to say that there was the, there was a big attack and violence going on the last Jupiter cycle uh, that we experienced as well. So I'm not saying like history is repeating itself, but with this Jupiter and Gemini cycle, I think that we're going to see it intensify even more. Yes. I think two other things that are important to note about Jupiter's time in Gemini. The first that it will be forming a square with Neptune, a whole sign square, but eventually a closer square as it moves throughout the sign. And that feels like misinformation. And because, mm-hmm. because Jupiter is in detriment in Gemini, it, Jupiter is a planet of excess and exaggeration. Excuse me. It feels like there will be a prevalence, an overwhelming amount of fake news and misinformation. Yeah. And it people might struggle more with their discernment around their sources and where they're getting their news. So there could be some sort of big shift with the media as well around that time. And the other thing I want to know is that Jupiter, when Jupiter first enters Gemini, we're going to want to pay attention to what's going on here. And you talking about wars and, you know, the escalation and the possibility is what made me think of this because the, in the United States birth chart, we have Uranus in Gemini. And so Jupiter is essentially tracing over those steps and giving us a precursor as to what's to come when Uranus enters Gemini, which will be, I think in like a year or two after this. And every time that Uranus has been in Gemini, the United States has been involved in a global war. Yeah. So yeah, we're not saying World War Three, but <laughs> read between the lines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just got chills actually. What's wild is I, and I said this in a past podcast episode or YouTube video, what have you. So like a week before October 7th, I was having dinner with a fellow astro pal and I caught, she was like, Oh, what would you think, you know, about next year or the next couple of years? And I'm like, I mean, I'm not saying world war three, but I, I don't think that the U S is on a great trajectory. And then October 7th, the terrorist attacks, the Hamas attack happened. And then we all know what's going on right now and the killing of thousands of innocent women and children in Palestine, in Gaza, as a retaliation of that. And I literally was like, okay, I can't believe I was just saying this. And then my my friend, I won't name names or anything, but my friend was like, oh, I don't know. Like, like I was being dramatic. And then I like was like, after yeah. October 7th. It was literally the week before it had happened. Mm-hmm. And to everyone listening as well, too, um, I think that in general, war is horrific. Um, I'm someone, I'm a child of uh, an immigrant from Freetown, Sierra Leone. And in 1992, there was a genocide that took place um, in Sierra Leone. There's genocides that have taken place in Africa for decades that are not talked about. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's one going on right now. So I am just not a proponent of conflict on any side. And I think that 
we all need to, as a globe, if we don't start to work together and realize that we are all one and that these patriarchal structures, including religion, are not really who we are, we are going to end in a trajectory of just, yeah, self-annihilation. And that's just my message about it. And has seen family members having to leave certain places because of it. And it's, it's not good for anyone. So yeah. I just wanted to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Jupiter and Gemini, another thing also, I mentioned this um, on a recent interview I did about travel because Jupiter rules over the globe and travel. And this is another reason why we're talking about global war or the exacerbation of it. We may be feeling restriction because 2020, we had Jupiter in detriment, but it was, well, it was in fall, but it was in uh, Capricorn. Mm-hmm. So we're now seeing Jupiter back in an uncomfortable position. So we're going to feel some restriction mm-hmm. as well, too. And you mentioned something. I don't know if you want to talk about your theory on why. <laughs> well, the last time Jupiter was in Gemini, we did have another outbreak of bird flu and Gemini is an air sign. So it is possible that there could be some sort of airborne virus again. And, you know, during COVID we had the North node in Gemini. So there could be some sort of correlation with airborne diseases kind of popping up during that time as well. So something to, to pay attention to everyone. Yeah. Um, Gemini rules over the lungs, mm-hmm. right? So that could be something that pops up. And also it's an air sign, mm-hmm. you know, flight and travel, things like yeah. that. So it may also, I, I also said this, like you may have to uh, fill out more forms. There may be more red tape to go through, to go to other countries, to travel internationally. There may be certain airspaces that are restricted, especially for Americans. I know the EU, it's not a huge, super high tax, but now, or not a tax, but a visa. Now Americans, I think starting next year, we're going to be required to go through a little bit of red tape to get in. And I know South Africa, it's like a really high fee now for as an American to go there. So those examples, like, I think there may be more and more countries that have getting into as you moves into Gemini. Mm. All right. So moving on, we've got black moon Lilith, the mean calculation moving into Libra. So for everyone, if you have Libra placements, look at where you have Libra in your charts. And it's funny, I mentioned Kim Kardashian because she's actually a natal black one, Lilith and Libra and also Libra. And I think Mm -hmm. Jupiter as Mm -hmm. well. So there might be some revisitation. If you have black one, Lilith and Libra, this, this, if it's your return, this happens every nine years, revisit the themes around power, control, abuse, patriarchal oppression within relationships. And this can be... It depends on your chart, but this can be those power dynamics um, coming up for a lot of people and ways in which you may have acted in those ways in relationships. So there's that shadow side of it as well, too, 
I think more people, P. Diddy was an example I gave earlier in the podcast, but there's other men that have are being on trial and exposed. But I think Black Moon Lilith and Libra is going to encourage more people to come out and to kind of shine a light on because we've got the eclipses in Libra also happening as well, too. Shining a light on these power dynamics that have oppressed not only the feminine, but have oppressed humanity. And relationships are how we navigate the world. So I really think that, yeah, we're really in for some intensity when it comes to that during that transit. It's a nine months. Nine months we're going to experience that. And so this would have been back in 2015 was the last time, nine years ago? Okay. Oh, gosh. Thinking about that for myself, I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I mentioned this in my book, but I was in a pretty, yeah. But not fun power dynamic relationship wise. How about mm-hmm. you? <laughs> yep. You as well. <laughs> not a healthy one. I'll say that. Oh, yeah. Tea, tea. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not just about like love relationships as well, too. Again, depends on your chart, but this can be family relationships, can be mm-hmm. your boss, this can be your neighbors. This can be, yeah, a lot of different dynamics, your relationship with outside world, if you're a Libra ascendant with other people. So I think it's important, kind of like with Pluto in Aquarius, take a look at, okay, what's the shadows? Mm -hmm. What are the unresolved things that are going to come up for me? And how can I empower myself to not take that shit anymore? Right. (laughs) Basically, like that's what, like I, I just went through my Black Moon Lilith return, and yeah, some of the same shadows subtly were coming back into my field, and I handled them in a different way. And of course, I launched my book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coincidence there, but mm-hmm. I handled them in a different way than I would have nine years ago. Right, I probably right. would have went home and cried and thought I was, you know, less than, and <laughs> and internalized it. But instead, I empower myself, and I'm like, no. Fuck, fuck you. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm not going to take that shit anymore. So a lot of you are really going to, especially if you have heavy Cardinal, uh, Libra, Aries, Capricorn, Cancer, you're going to feel that. Okay. Fascinating. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back into my 2015 and see what was going on. Yeah. 2015. So that's wild. I, I, I like, I do the math and then I don't think about it. And you just said that. And I was like, Oh wait, my own life. so moving on from that we've got mars forming a conjunction with uranus and taurus and i want to bring this up even though it's mars it's faster moving planet we've got the heavy hitter uranus involved with this and i feel like it's going to spark even more the story that starts during the jupiter uranus conjunction but what's your opinion on that well yeah, so the Mars is going to come through and trace over the steps of that Jupiter Uranus conjunction and so we could be seeing some action, you know, if there if there was some discovery or something created around that time, it could be initiated around this time, it could be you know, Mars is a planet of war and anger and aggression. So there could be some sort of malefic or difficult or challenging expression for sure. Together, like those planets just scream accident prone. 
You know, this is um, a lot of energy, volatile energy, um, repressed rage pouring out of someone. I think the last time that Mars and Uranus were together was August 1st of 20, uh, 2022, and it was also conjunct the North Node. So you want to look back at the beginning of August and what was going on in your life around that time. And then globally, which was kind of interesting, the time before that was on January 19th, 2021. And that was, I think, Biden's inauguration. So his storyline might be tied up into this Mm. somehow. Yeah. Oh, so this isn't the, this isn't a past Mars Uranus conjunction, but this is the last, one of the last times that Mars was in Taurus. It was like the day that Mars entered into Taurus, correct me if I'm wrong, but the insurrection happened. It was at the anoretic degree of Aries. It was 29 degrees of Aries. And I think later that day it entered Taurus or the following day. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, this isn't, it's not the same aspect or anything, but it's again, going back to that energy of Taurus and the shadow side of like bulldozing over others to champion your values and what you want and what you think is right to do. So I think, yeah. Yeah. I think that. Unhealthy power. Yeah. Yeah. Unhealthy power. It's not feeling hot in this sign. And this is an explosive combination. Like I wouldn't be surprised if we did see some major shifts and disasters globally with the environment and climate change or some sort of like literal explosions. Yeah. And we've got, even though this is the moon changes every two and a half days, but that particular day, the moon will be in Scorpio as well. It's also a big earthquake aspect. Oh, interesting. Well, that has been happening very frequently. Every time I look in on the news, yeah, somewhere has experienced it. That's going to be interesting one to watch. Mm-hmm. So as we head into the fall, we've got another lunar eclipse. But this one is going to be the first one in the sign of Pisces. Yes. So interesting, right? We haven't had a lunar eclipse in Pisces since September of 2016. So you'll want to think back to what was unfolding in your life around that time. Um, This lunar eclipse is ruled by Jupiter and Gemini which is forming a square with the eclipse and Neptune. Ouch. So (laughs) that also feels very much like misinformation spread of um, amorphous news, paranoid thoughts, feelings, just really getting amplified. Pisces is a zodiac sign that I associate with like surrender and letting go and closing out cycles. So there could be some form of loss associated with this eclipse, especially with it so close to Neptune. Yeah. And going back to what you're saying about flu or disease or something affecting the lungs, with travel, this this is vibing with that, with Neptune rules over, you know, like infections, 
sickness, hospitals, Pisces as well. So we got got that in the mix. I also took a note that Pluto will be back in Capricorn and it's at 29 degrees, which is the anoretic degree. And I don't know if you noticed this, but this last time around when Pluto was hovering at 29 degrees, it was like unbearable for me. Like I I could just feel the, um, an anoretic degree for any astro newbies out there is like a crisis point. It's like the final degree before a planet changes signs. And so the energy gets like really ramped up. And so I think we're also going to definitely feel some of that plutonic energy. And the last time Pluto was at 29 degrees and 46 seconds is going to be January 13th and 14th of 2024. So we might have some themes tied in from that time period pulled into this eclipse as well. Yes. Yes. I I forgot to mention that um, Pluto moves back into Capricorn before the eclipse on September 2nd for the last, this is the last time ever, right? Yeah. In our lifetime. So it's only for a couple months, but yes, we're going to be going back in and 29 degrees. It's also like, it's like the, the final cleanup yep. <laughs> as well too. So I think a lot of you outside of the world and politics and all of that in your own personal lives, it's like going back and cleaning up that last final gunk. And in we've your got Capricorn house. Yeah. And in the Pisces as well. Um, I think this is like a, a lunar eclipse that can, you know, we can experience some loss personally. Depends on what area of life this is. I don't want to alarm anyone or stress anyone out. But I mean, this is the truth of what's going on with this eclipse. Um, and I think also it's like healthcare, hospitals, just the things that Pisces rules, ocean, as we were saying earlier in the broadcast, spirituality. Mm-hmm. We've seen illusions. <laughs> I mean, there's always, there's always kind of, yes, illusions. There's always kinds of all these kinds of call outs going on all the time. Mm-hmm. But I think not just in like, like in the metaphysical, spiritual, astrological community, but in terms of religions, because there's all there's been years of call outs from like the Catholic Church. But I think there's going to be some truths that of past illusions as well in those particular organized religions, like Scientology was another one that went through a a call out. Like there's tons of them. So I think this eclipse is going to reveal some more of that. We're slowly, but surely exiting the age of Pisces. So I think this, this lunar eclipse is giving that vibe where it's Mm -hmm. like a final cleanup of that illusion that a lot of us have been under in terms of uh, organized religions mm-hmm. for millennia, mm-hmm. not more. Yeah. Um, so this is a pretty big, pretty big eclipse. This will definitely be one to watch. Yeah. And if you have Pisces placements, Virgo, Gemini, and Sag, mm-hmm. all are on deck. You're the main characters. <laughs> you are. <laughs> yep. I've seen some commentary that those are the signs that are going to be the luckiest next year. I don't, mm. I'm, I'm going to say like, it depends on your chart or Jupiter because Jupiter is, is not feeling so hot. 
depends on your chart. But there's going to be, it's going to be a mixed bag. There's going to be some wins, I think. I don't know if it's like, oh, the luckiest this year, but there's going to be some wins, but there's going to be a lot of uncomfortable life changes. Yeah. And those are like very clickbaity posts on yeah. TikTok and stuff. You know, I think people <laughs> are forgetting that Saturn is moving through a mutable sign. So sure, Jupiter is in there, but do you think Jupiter square Saturn is cute? That's an excess or growth of struggle and challenge. So no, I don't <laughs> think that those are just going to be the four luckiest signs. Yeah. It absolutely, yeah. like you said, yeah. is going to be dependent on everybody's chart. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not doing that clickbait here. <laughs> just clarifying that everyone. Yeah. Okay. So moving on. So now we're back in Pluto and in Capricorn for a little bit. And we have the solar annular eclipse in October and that we are going back to Libra. So yeah. Conjunct black moon Lilith. Yeah. Everyone. Oh my gosh. And Mercury. I'm not looking too hot for Kim Kardashian in particular, but I'm going to do a separate video on that. <laughs> you know, I love celeb. Oh yeah. Um, so hot goss. This is like hot goss for her. Let me, let me tell you not to like segue into someone else, but mm-hmm. yeah. So yes, this is a South node solar eclipse. And I mean, solar eclipses tend, I mean, they're, they're considered malefic. Like, mm-hmm. It's, it's, they're really, they can be pretty um, jarring changes that happen, like someone getting eclipsed out of your life or you getting eclipsed, something changes and getting removed. But that's essentially what, to me, a solar eclipse with the South Node is, is there's something that's going to get removed and there can be a power struggle with it. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and name this my least favorite eclipse of the year. And that's because the sun and Mars are both in fall, which means they're in positions of struggle. Venus is in detriment. The ruler of the eclipse is Venus, which is, you know, struggling in Scorpio. It's a verse, which means that those planets in Libra can't even see it. So there's no sense of support between them. And that pileup of planets in Libra is forming a near exact square with Mars and Cancer. And Mars and Cancer... I'm like <laughs> dying. This is really bad, guys. Right? Yeah. It's my least favorite one for sure. And Mars and Cancer is because it is in detriment uh, or in fall. It can... It, it's expressions of anger and Martian qualities can be really intense and amplified and over the top. So mm. globally, I would see this as a very intense time. Personally, if you have cardinal placements, especially around these degrees, just prioritize regulating your nervous system as necessary. I think this will be kind of an in, a, definitely an intense eclipse. Oh my gosh. Sorry, I'm ahead of my hands for people who aren't watching. Because <laughs> I have Libra and Cancer placements. But <laughs> with that said, yes, Libras, you're you're the main character in this mm-hmm. eclipse. Um, 
Aries, yeah, and Cancer and Cap. So again, cardinal signs. And Pluto's back in Cap. Pluto's in Cap. Final so, tour. I know it's a wide orb, but I, I'm a wide orb girl. And mm-hmm. this is interacting for me. So Yeah, it's a whole sign square. That's yeah. not cute. Let's be no, real. It's really not. And the benefics are all, like you said, in debility, like mm-hmm. not feeling good. So we're receiving very little help with this eclipse. So a yeah. lot of massive change for everyone, depending on where this is in your chart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Relationships. That's a theme. You as an individual, we got Aries. Yes. Emotional reactions. And then I think on a global scale, this is also confirming our analysis of exacerbation of global conflict and war. I mean, Aries may be war, but Libra is the treaty. Yep. And there's a loss, right? Because it's the South Node. There's some sort of release. And I I mean, you would know way better than I, but that Mercury-Lilith conjunction. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> that feels. I'm no expert at all in Lilith. I'm just entering the waters after reading your book. But that feels like some sort of dark taboo news regarding themes of justice, equity. Um yeah, or the shadow sides of no peace, right? Mm-hmm. And Venus is uh, Libra's ruler is in Scorpio, the sign of chaos, conflict, death, rebirth. Yeah. So, and it's going on to connect with Saturn and Mars, and sure, in like a trine, which is best case scenario, but it's still Saturn and Mars, which are the two most challenging planets. So, yeah, yeah I think this will be a a difficult time. Yeah. And it's like about a six month window that mm-hmm. so as, as we get into 2025, 2025, like that, that transition from fall to 2025, we're going to get into that Mars retrograde mm-hmm. is not going to be that great. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, but on the bright side, the reason why I love astrology and also just being so open and honest about the ways in which these planetary events really do look like they're going to manifest and unfold on earth is because you can prepare yourself to the best of your ability. So the week leading up to this eclipse, don't overbook yourself. Say no, even if you want to say yes. Like do proactively protect your time and your energy and your boundaries so you can move through this period as gracefully and compassionately with yourself as possible. hundred percent. What are some like from your book, what are some ways that people can ground their nerves and their stress around that time? Mm. Well, some of my favorite ways to do that is through EFT tapping. So that's like a somatic practice Um, that really just reconnects you with your body and brings you back into the present moment. I think 
cold plunges. Like I've been doing these ocean plunges that really regulate your nervous system and again, bring you back into your body. Um, Collecting Tonali, that's from ancient Mesoamerica. The Mexica used to, you know, obviously worship the sun deity and go into the sun multiple times a day. And Tonali was like your soul, your life force energy and kind of collect it, you know, just collect the sun's rays. All of these things can really bring you back into your body. Grounding exercises, simple, putting your hands and feet on the physical ground. If you can find grass, even better, amazing, but not necessary. Yeah, I think that's great advice too with that challenging water trine. Mm. Tap into the power of water. Totally. I will do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Um, so good luck to everyone during that time. <laughs> You'll be okay. You've lived okay. through many eclipses before. Yep. We lived through 2020. All right. So a few days after things go downhill. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm half kidding. <laughs> things go further down the drain. Mars retrograde in Cancer's shadow period starts October 4th. Yeah. So Mars is already feeling not too hot. And then it's we're entering into Mars retrograde. And this happens every two years. The last one, as a Scorpio, my Mars girl here, um, wasn't so hot. So mm-hmm. warning to the Scorpios and Aries out there. You know, there can be things from the past coming back, but it's been like like physical accidents for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it's important to watch out during even the shadow period was very hot. It was Mars retrograde in Gemini was the last one. Mm-hmm. So we're entering to the shadow period. And then the actual Mars retrograde in Leo starts right at the end of the year. And this, we did this in 2022. We went into 2023 with the Mars retrograde in Gemini. But Mars retrograde lasts so much longer than Mercury retrograde. So like you said, the shadow period begins October 4th. The post-shadow period doesn't end until May 3rd of 2025. So basically from October to May, we're going to be dealing with Mars retrograde energy in our lives. And I do think that the pre-shadow period is worse than the post-shadow period. Yeah, 100%. That's why I warned everyone. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm glad you made that call out because uh, the post-shadow period is kind of like where you're doing the cleanup and you're, you know, you know what how you want to move forward. You're aware. And maybe it's uncomfortable still. And maybe you're setting boundaries and that's not fun or whatever it may be. But you know how you want to move forward, but the pre-shadow period can be messy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this retrograde is taking place in the sign of Leo known for its drama and theatrics. Mm -hmm. And then it's moving into cancer, like we said, which is in its fall. And that is going to be the portion that really kind of makes me a little nervous. Mars is a planet that is associated with war as well. So yeah. depending on what's unfolding throughout the year, it I'd be interested to see, you know, what this retrograde does. 
The last time we had a Mars retrograde in Leo was December of 2009 through March of 2010. So you can think back to that time period in your life. Similar themes and topics will come up, but again, in a different way. Because this time, Mars retrograde in Leo is literally forming an opposition with Pluto and Aquarius. And that's never happened in any of our lifetimes. Oh, my God. So. <laughs> Hear that, everyone? Yes. This is this is a rare Mars retrograde, honestly. And it's never going to oppose – well, it's a 20-year transit, so we may have experienced it. But mm-hmm. this is very rare. What I think is really interesting about this year, because I attribute the strikes, like the creative strikes to Black Moon Lilith in Leo. And then also we had Venus retrograde Mm -hmm. in Leo as well. And those, those two together, it was just like a lot of rebellion in creativity. And of course, these are different planets that we're talking about, but I think that there may be a continuation of this in the creative industries and even more of a rebellion and break away from that influencer model that really started early 2009, 2010. Mm -hmm. There was more of a rise of like the Instagram influencer blogger. And I think that we're going to have a change in the creative industries because of this retrograde as well. A lot of conflict, fighting of contracts, some of the abuses of power that I mentioned yeah. Yeah, I th- I think we'll also see some big shifts for the LGBTQIA+ community. The last time Venus or the last time Mars was retrograde was when the New York Senate voted down the gay marriage bill. So that is interesting and then You can see through Venus retrograde and Leo cycles as well. I think, and I don't know if it's 2015, but one of these past most recent of the last two Venus retrograde cycles was when same sex marriage became legalized. And that was, I think when um, Venus and Leo was connecting with Jupiter in a positive way, we got that like positive news. Wasn't that Obama that that did that as well too? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because that's that must have been 2015. 2015, okay. Yeah. So then, but sometimes you see reversals, right? Depending Mm -hmm. on what. So we had Jupiter support in 2015, but here we have that opposition with Pluto, which is taboo and the underbelly and power and control and. Yeah, so I think just paying attention to the rights of the LGBTQIA plus community and what's unfolding in our country is also going to be a major theme. That also, that Venus, even though that's short uh, transit, that also is giving that as well to Venus and Aquarius, totally, mm-hmm. which in conjunction with Pluto. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... Mars retrogrades, everyone. Mars also, yes, it's the, the god of war, but it rules over conflict, action, accidents, physical harm. So, I mean, we we hear about mass shootings every five minutes in this country, and 
the violence across the world, but Mars retrogrades can exacerbate the aggression that that it goes on on the planet. And Mars also rules men as well too. They're they're also the perpetrators of a majority of the violence on the planet. So this is going to affect men in a challenging way as well too. Um, and maybe a lot of them may have to confront some of the patriarchal programming that they've experienced that is not beneficial for the planet. So that's going to be a challenging shadow work period, I think, for a lot of men as well too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it for the year, everyone. It's a big year. <laughs> that's a lot to take in. A, a lot. lot. Oh my gosh. And, sure. you know, I really just want to end on this note because I mean, a lot of, of, I just, and, and that also is like just getting off of the Mars retrograde in Leo conversation and Mars is about being triggered as well too. I just think that we're in a time where everyone is triggered about everything, honestly. And I think the best way to go into 2024 is with an open heart mm-hmm. because we all don't want to add to the violence and the aggression and the conflict that we were all going to be experiencing on a collective level. So I think going into 2024 with that energy Mm -hmm. and with the energy of love and understanding of people is really effective. And that's going to help us get through as a, as a community here on black and Lilith rising. I think that's, what's going to help us all get through it. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. And lean into your community. Like you said, like Pluto is going into Aquarius. That is a sign of community. Lean into your community for support. To prepare for the year ahead, everyone should pick up a copy of Steph's book. And it's available everywhere, right? Yeah, wherever you want to find it. Wherever books are sold. And it's super helpful in navigating the insanity that we are going into, how to pour into yourself, how to work with the year ahead. And I think it's just a super helpful guide. So thank you. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Steph. Yes, thank <laughs> you so much for having me and good luck in 2024, everyone. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. See you Bye. on the next one. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Black Moon Lilith Rising podcast. I invite you to discover LilithAstrology.com. Until next time.